hey, just jumping in here quickly because I'm really excited to share that I've just launched something brand new. It's called the Smell Gym. This is the place to exercise your sense of smell. I've got online classes for everyone, no matter your ability to smell or not to smell. As you know by now, I'm really passionate about our sense of smell, and I want everyone to have the healthiest, most robust ability to smell possible. I invite you to go to my website, smellgym.com, and check out what might be the best fit for you. Hello, and welcome back to An Aromatic Life. So today I'm bringing back a favorite guest of the podcast, master perfumer Christophe Laudamiel, to help educate us on the age-old debate of natural versus synthetic in perfumery. Christophe and I were actually talking a while back about how much misinformation continues to circulate on the internet about this subject, so I invited him back to help put things into perspective. I know many of you enjoyed the conversations I had with him about the art and science of perfumery. If you haven't already, check out those episodes. They're numbers seven and eight. Christoph is incredibly knowledgeable and has a vast amount of experience in this area. And he's passionate about teaching the public about important topics in perfumery that are often hidden, frankly. Since some of you might be new to this podcast and to Christoph, let me tell you a little bit about him so you'll understand why he's qualified to talk on this subject. Christoph is a master perfumer, scent composer, writer, and chemist champion who's only one of a few hundred members worldwide in the International Society of Perfumers Creators. He has co-created top 10 fragrances and award winners such as Polo Blue for Men by Ralph Lauren, Happy Heart by Clinique, Fierce by Abercrombie & Fitch, Club Design by The Zoo, Rich Mess by Ryan Richmond, Saskia by Grandiflora, as well as scents for Beyonce, Burberry, Helena Christensen, Strangelove NYC, Tom Ford, Michael Kors, and Tommy Hilfiger. Wow. In 2010, he co-founded Dream Air, a boutique perfume studio focusing solely on innovative projects and fine fragrance, ambient signature scenting, as well as artistic and museum projects. In 2018, he signed a collaboration agreement with Roto Pharmaceuticals, where he works out of their Tokyo Perfume Bel Air Lab facility as chief perfumer. Always a vocal defender of perfume quality and ethics, Christoph has given over 150 speeches and lectures at scientific congresses, top universities, and political institutions. He launched the Perfume Code of Ethics and regularly promotes transparency in perfumery. He also likes to contribute chapters to reference books to encourage academic perfume education. And he co-invented several patented scent technologies for companies with whom he's worked, including Procter & Gamble, IFF, and Vapor Communication. And for the first time in modern history, he allowed full publication of a complete fine fragrance formula by the International Fragrance Association for educational and artistic purposes. Needless to say, Christoph is the perfect person to educate us about natural and synthetic materials in perfumery. So let's get started. Enjoy this conversation with master perfumer, Christophe Laudamiel. This is An Aromatic Life, the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Gagalia. I'm a certified aromatherapist, 
and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. So welcome back, Christoph, to An Aromatic Life. Thanks for coming back. You're my first repeat uh, guest. What an honor, but uh, it's really cool. You know that uh, education is really important for me, uh, for me and for perfumery. And so, uh, voila, it's my pleasure to do this. Let's bring the public a little bit, uh, one step further. Yes, let's do it. So I brought you here today because we want to attack the age-old debate, natural versus synthetic in perfumery, which goes on and on and on. And that perception, for better or for worse, there's, you know, in our opinion, I think there's one is not better than the other. I, yes, yeah, so I want to mention already that this debate, as you said, is extremely old. In uh, there are books from the the eighteen fifties where readers are complaining and asking perfumers from the eighteen fifties. Okay, where the readers are saying, "Oh, but anyway, perfumery is all uh, about synthetics now." Correct. And uh, where the perfumer had to answer, well, you know, so synthetics, yes, because the first molecule that came up, a synthetic molecule that came up uh, was in 1834. And by 1850s, by the 1850s, yes, molecules were commonly used in perfumery. And some, as we will explain, were synthetics that did not exist in nature. Uh, like so the first one was made in 1834 and some were we call them synthetics but nature identical so they also exist in nature just we make them in the lab for many reasons some of them are convenient some of them are availability and uh, they just smell the same way it's just the exact same molecule so the very first molecules that they isolated was in the 1700s and then in the early 1800s they made some molecules but the same as in nature and then in 1834 the first man-made molecule that does not exist in nature was made of all places was made in berlin by a german scientist ah. and uh yes cool voilà. so we're this is old news it's been happening a long yes, time exactly exactly so, i wanted to have you here because you work with both natural and man-made materials so you know and you've been doing it for a very long time and i know you have opinions about it and i love to hear your opinions and I want all my listeners to hear about it too. So should we get started? Can we start with the the basics first? Can we maybe just define in your mind what a natural is versus a synthetic or man-made? So let's say, first of all, what is common among everything. So everything we smell is called organic chemistry. Our body is made of organic compounds, which means carbon and hydrogen. Uh, plus oxygen, plus nitrogen, plus sulfur. This is all we use of this whole element table that you know. This is all we use for organic chemistry, whether it's your smell or your guts or your brain or whatever. So that's biology. And in the plants, it's the same. And so uh, either we get these components directly from nature, whether uh, or you take carbon and hydrogen from places that are natural, but uh, from uh, like petrol or pine oil or where there's a lot of carbon and a lot of hydrogen. 
it's not in the air. And so um, uh, that's this is why we use uh, this kind of what's called stock material. This is why we, we use petrol. Now, <clears throat> so you extract carbon and hydrogen and then you rebuild with, like the Lego, you rebuild the same molecules that you find in the plants. Now, one thing is that in the plants, like, like in rose oil, you have maybe 200 molecules in bergamot, 150 molecules. In roasted coffee, they found 900 molecules. You don't need them all to smell coffee, but well. So naturals are made of molecules and those molecules either, as I say, you get them from uh, nature or in the lab, from carbon and hydrogen for petrol or from pine oil, turpentine oil. You recombine them with chemical reactions and you also make let's say linalol or uh, cinnamic aldehyde, or these are things that are found a lot in plants. And uh, so linalol from nature and linalol made in the lab, they smell the same. Now they can have some varieties because the impurities are different. And let me tell you that many times the thing made in the lab smells as good or better, better than the thing, the natural extract. Okay. This is often, huh? So people should know that. And in fact, what I want to teach people here is that the debate should be, in fact, at another level. The brain does not care less where the molecule is from is the same molecule. So whether damascenone, which is found in rose, in honey, in tobacco, in hay, in red wine, but in tiny, 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 tiny quantity, if you would extract it from wine, you would need tons and tons of wines and that material would be hundred or, or maybe a million dollars a kilo, literally. And so you make it in the lab and uh, it's only $400 a kilo. So it's the same damascenone and we can use it. It's beautiful and fruity and honeyish and quince apple like and etc. and rosy like. So this is how we use those uh, ingredients. Okay. Now, I think I should mention about the story when people say, oh, synthetics, they are made from petroleum. So let's say that. Yes. The bulk of petroleum, it's true. We do use petroleum um, source to get this carbon and hydrogen. Uh, we call that, we crack the petroleum to isolate the carbon and hydrogen from, from that. And then we recombine in the lab and then we make the molecules we want. Now, the quantities of petroleum we need for, for perfumery are tiny, 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 tiny versus the quantities that are needed for um, gasoline, for instance, even for plastic. And even plastic is a tiny quantity, but still, this is negligible in perfumery. So in fact, uh, it's not perfumery that pollutes the planet because for the petrol we need for perfumery, we could extract it in very tiny quantity, very carefully, uh, without polluting, uh, without slavery in the countries that are extracting petroleum. Let's not forget about that. Uh, voilà. Another source of carbon and hydrogen is from pine oil. And why we do pine oil? Because for the, from the paper industry, coming from trees, so I would say, I don't know if it's hard, but a good portion are trees that we, when we clear a forest, you don't have to cut all the big trees, but you have to cut the small trees. You have to cut some smaller branches. So some of the paper come from that. And then it's true that some forests are being destroyed for paper, paper and other reasons. When you extract cedar wood or when you extract pine for paper or for other things, the oil 
especially for paper, is a nightmare for the paper industry. They don't want the pine oil, which is called turpentine. So paint thinner, turpentine oil is actually a natural. It stinks, it smells petroleum, <laughs> artificial. Yeah. It's actually a big natural. So we use that in perfumery as a byproduct from the paper industry. The day we don't do paper anymore, we'll find it from somewhere or we'll just extract from clearing. You know, when you do a fireproof forest, you have to clear the underwood. I know so it well from, from California, yes. Yeah, voila. <laughs> and so just from that, you can extract from those branches this little, this oil. And so it's not the French industry that is polluting the world. And many times we actually use the byproduct. We use the byproduct that cannot go on a plane because kerosene has to be very, very well monitored. And so a lot of the trash we can use in perfumery to do the ingredients that we need. Uh, so I want people to know it's not perfumery that pollutes. Uh, we piggyback on industries that are existing because our volumes are tiny, tiny, tiny compared to the other industries. Um, we use byproducts, for instance, from the vitamin, from the vitamin industry, from the food industry, from the orange juice industry. We, uh, when you extract orange juice and lemon juice, but orange juice is a big, big tonnage, what do you do with the skin? We extract the skin and we make limonene and from limonene you do some ingredients too. So uh, that's very big in Brazil and very big in Florida, the, the byproducts of the citrus industry. So, uh, voila. So when we say synthetic, the term is disgusting. That's why people say we should invent a really beautiful term. Uh, in the color industry, they talk about pigments and then they yes. talk about the name of the color. They say we use a teal pigment and we use a, a lilac pigment and we use, <laughs> bon, those pigments, maybe except of one, they're all synthetics, but we don't say, oh, we only use synthetic colors. Voilà. That's right. And uh, so people, people should know, should know all this. Uh, many, many synthetics are safer, even the ones that don't exist in nature are safer than the ones found in nature. Uh, when we say safer, it mean, means less allergizing for people that have very sensitive skin. Can you touch on a little bit about how just sourcing and the quantity that's available of naturals versus the man-made? Because there's a big difference there, right? Yeah, so that too. So first of all, when you do a molecule, <clears throat> when you use carbon hydrogen from, uh, let's say, petrol or whatever, to make um, a rose molecule, uh, a natural-like rose molecule, that rose molecule at the end costs between $10, $20 a kilo. So $5, $10 a pound. When you extract roses, you have to plant the rose, pick them one by one. There's no machine for that. You have to extract the yield is like 0.1%, 0.01%, etc., etc. Rose oil is $10,000 a kilo. Huh? So $5,000 a pound. Yeah. So that's the reality of life. Plus the rose oil comes as a whole, uh, a whole thing that's made of roses. So if you want just the rosy part, if you want just the honey part, if you want just the green part, if you just want... Uh, the honey, the honey or the apple part of the rose or the spicy part of the rose or the apricot part of the rose, you have to separate the rose oil. And so then you would have the apricot part or the honey part for, as I say, twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a kilo because there's very little in the rose oil. So that's not realistic at all. Plus, we don't grow enough roses 
for all the fragrances that we are using on the planet, for all the shampoo, the detergents. These are huge, huge volumes, even the compared volume, to a yeah. fragrance. Yeah. So um, how about consistency? Just, how about consistency? Yeah, that too. But I have to say the French industry is very good at uh, monitoring naturals to have consistency year after year. Oh. And in fact, it's very rare. Yeah, when people say that, in fact, it's very rare that a fragrance one year does not smell like the fragrance the year before. Okay. When it does, it's because they've changed the formula for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. But on the contrary, we have standards and the people are very good. Uh, it's like the opposite of the wine. But it's a bit like the champagne industry. You know, you want the champagne to be the, to taste the same year after year. In fact, on champagne bottles, they don't write the dates most of the time. Now the trend is changing, but... So there are a few wines where you want exactly the same uh, signature, the same thing year after year. And so you mix things together. And same in perfumery. You have people, that's their job. They mix different lots from different years, from different places, different terroirs, different countries, so that the patchouli, so that the rose oil, so that uh, some orange extracts, some, a lot of things, lemongrass, uh, a lot of things that are kind of standards in the industry, they all smell the same year after year so that the perfume doesn't change. One is one thing, but don't forget, one is just one thing, or let's say two or three variety, varietals in there, and it's just grapes. Yeah. And then people are used to have different wines. You just drink one bottle, that's okay. But can you imagine if each time you buy a bottle of fragrance, you don't know what you're getting, and, <laughs> and, and we have 50, 100 ingredients, even 20 ingredients in a bottle, in a bottle of perfume. So if all are changing all over the place, sometimes it would be really crappy. It's not just like wine where one year is a bit more like this, a bit less like that. Uh, when it's from one producer, there's still a consistency. No, here it would go all over the place because when you change the vanilla or the rose, then it influences also the lemon in there. And even if it's the same lemon, it's, it's, a very, it's very different. So we do need consistency. And the industry is quite good at that. Um, so, uh, no, it's more for supply, it's more for realistic cost and for smell. People also forget that when you have singular molecules, you have different notes than if you come with a whole bunch of them together in an orange oil, which has hundred molecules. Sometimes I just want that one, the aldehydic fresh laundry one. I don't want the sweet orange part in the back. Or sometimes I want the sweet orange or just the incense woody part of the orange. I don't want the top fresh citrus notes. Sometimes, yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, it's the same with many, many things. Uh, in cardamom, there's a eucalyptus part and then there is a nice woody clean laundry part. So some we have now terpenin acetate, very inexpensive and it's just woody and clean. We don't need the eucalyptus part of the cardamom. So, um, plus a lot of synthetics, synthetics are used, that's extremely important to know, to do natural smells. You cannot do the ocean with seaweed. It smells like the low tide, you see? So mm -hmm. to make a nice sea breeze, and then you have the beach smell or the, the high uh, surf, uh, you know, uh, 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 offshore, these are all different things, and then you need molecules to recreate those smells. So, uh, for all these, uh, exactly, exactly the, the snowstorm, all these effects, uh, we need molecules to do this, and some are synthetic, non existing in nature molecules to recreate natural smells that we cannot extract from nature. 
And for the body, they are totally safe. Some are digested. I mean, when you, you breathe them, they don't even go in your, in your system. And uh, some we know they are destroyed, uh, like they are biodegradable. Uh, if they are not biodegradable, they just sit there. They don't disturb anybody. They just sit there like a, a pottery, you know, in the ground, like a Roman pottery or like a stone. They just sit there. Um, so, yeah, people shouldn't be afraid of them and should just understand. Okay. How about we're uh, just going back to a little bit of the the supply thing? You know, if you say consistency is not an issue, but how about the reliability? I mean, there is a difference. You know, sometimes with a vanilla, for instance, or if there's suddenly a storm so, in Madagascar. I mean, there are naturals. You have to rely on nature, and nature is volatile, right? Yeah, but I I find this a false problem. Okay. Because that's the excuse for people to go to the synthetic when the biggest good excuse for they take that as an excuse when in fact it's because they don't give any budget or very, very little budget to the perfumers to create. So the story about vanilla in Madagascar is bullshit. I, I'm very upset about that because I want to see how much vanilla, natural vanilla, there is in all these fragrances where they talk about vanilla, they don't say vanilline, which is about... 40, 50 dollars a kilo. They talk about vanilla, which is 10,000 dollars a kilo. Okay. Uh, number one, with vanillin, you don't do the same sweetness as with vanilla. And with vanilla, you don't do the same sweetness as with vanillin. Number one. So they don't even have the same effect perfumery wise. But many times they are going to say vanilla. And more than once, they talk about vanilla and the growers and Madagascar and all oh, the, the hurricane. No. So vanilla in Madagascar is extremely important for the flavor industry because they use only, mostly only, natural vanilla number one and to to first the ice cream the yogurt the da, 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 yeah. they need a lot of vanilla so the hurricane in madagascar is a disaster for the flavor industry okay. for the french industry yes we use a little bit of vanilla but it's so tiny it's so tiny in there whether it's like one cent because it's ten thousand dollars a kilo but you're one percent now there's a hurricane it goes to twenty thousand dollars a kilo now you need two cents in your fragrance so yes, someone is going to pull me the vanilla from, uh, I don't know what brand, where they ha they happen to have, no. But I'm talking the commercial project everywhere at Sephora and all these brands and the, the Yves Saint Laurent and the, the Givenchy of this world and the, voilà. So those brands talking about vanilla, I want them to disclose how much there is natural vanilla from Madagascar in there. You would be floored. Half of them, there's known, number one, known. Okay. Wow. And then the ones that have uh, have some, uh, it's below 0.1%. I'm sure some will have 0.1% but I guarantee you it's very, very, very rare. And I want people to open the formulas and all of them, not just the one formula that happens to have a little bit of vanilla. So the story about that, no, it's the excuse for them to say, oh, there's a hurricane in Madagascar, you know, it's very <laughs> uncertain. So yeah. we have to use synthetic vanilla. Well, you know what? They've been using synthetic vanilla since the 1870s. Mm -hmm. And actually, the biggest factories were, were built in uh, Germany and uh, in the 1870s. Uh, so now all of a sudden they have a good excuse to tell the public why they've been, they have vanillin. But what they are not saying is that they've been having vanillin for all this time. So now you're going to use vanillin to avoid the problem from Madagascar. Fine. So then your, your perfume price should decrease hundred times because when you go from $10,000 a kilo to $50,000 a kilo for vanillin, so you do the calculation, it's about uh, 200 times or, bon, or 20, no, 200 times. Uh, okay, so uh, your perfume price is also decreasing when you're doing this? No, because the story is that it's all twisted. 
Yeah. They've been using skating for a long time, and now they're jumping on this bandwagon saying, oh, actually, uh, it's more uh, uh, certain or it's more reliable or it's more sustainable. We should talk about that too, because yeah. people are, this is not explained enough. It's similar with the rose from grass. How much rose is made in grass? Eh? So uh, it's the same with the... Um, uh, all these very high-end ingredients. People don't know Neroli. Neroli is another one of those. The, the, how many times they mention Neroli? Ask Tunisia how much Neroli is actually purchased from Tunisia to put in all these things. Yeah, no, 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 no. Neroli is extremely expensive. Uh, you need quite a bit to start singing in a fragrance. It's a, it's a weird case. But uh, it's not about uh, the, the political situation in uh, Tunisia. It's uh, now it's now they have an excuse to explain why, in fact, they haven't used Neroli so much in perfumery, but they still, they mention it. Now, they, this, I can tell you, they love to mention Neroli and make the pe people believe they have all these orange flowers and they're all orange flowers, absolutely the same. It's extremely expensive. It's more expensive. Neroli is more expensive than rose. And this is more expensive than jasmine. It's, uh, it's about as expensive as vanilla or even more. Uh, it's very precious. The orange flower is expensive. Tuberous is another one. We could help the farmers in India much, much more with all this. Nay, I'm, I'm really upset with that. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you care. I want to talk about the creation aspect because you use both naturals and yes. um, synthetics. So let's start with if you were, you know, people, this is, all about perfumery. We're not talking aromatherapy here. We're talking perfumery and we're talking high-end perfumery. I mean, there's a lot of independent yes. perfumers who only like to work with naturals and there's nothing wrong with that. If people want to yeah. work only with naturals, that's totally great. Um, yeah. How do you use naturals in your creation? How does it, what does, what do naturals bring to your compositions? Well, first they are, na they are naturals that uh, I don't know how to do uh with synthetics okay so uh, there are naturals like with synthetics you can do a very good jasmine natural scented jasmine you can do a very good rose etc but there are um some naturals i don't know from an inexpensive one just like copaiba i don't know how to do this woody aspect frankly and okay. this is not expensive copaiba then you have this big strategic ingredient called patchouli so you can use all the patchouli, oil, what they call uh, this new natural uh, uh, bio patchouli. Oil. I'm sorry, it does not replace patchouli. Um, and uh, what else? For instance, osmanthus. I'm sorry, the osmanthus reconstitutions. I don't know one that is good like osmanthus. I know some that are good, but they smell very fruity. Very, uh, it's a different animal. Some, they smell very nice, hein? but they don't smell like the natural. So there is that first, hein? The, 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 the smell. Um, a weird thing, tonka. So tonka is based on coumarin, but I guarantee you, you use tonka, it smells different from coumarin. And sometimes I want coumarin and sometimes I want tonka. Okay. So, uh, and vanilla is the same. Hein? The, the, the vanilla extract does not smell like vanillin. And good luck to do a good vanilla extract with synthetic. Is uh, No. So there is that. Okay. Then, um, uh, bon, and then for other effects, uh, the synthetic uh, you cannot you can you cannot do it with, uh, for instance, with eugenol, which is the the main ingredient in clove. Actually, we extract it directly from clove, but with the molecule eugenol, you can do some effects that you cannot do with clove because clove brings right away certain signature. For rose, rose it gives 
I don't know because rose is complex, the absolute or the, the rose all or rose absolute. So it's funny, this is one of those you put you put a bit, it gives a little effect, like a, I call it je ne sais quoi. You have this kind of effect. Uh, same with tuberous absolute. Uh, it still doesn't smell like uh, uh, you can do a nice smelling tuberous with synthetics, but tuberous absolute, narcissus absolute, it brings us richness, a dirtiness, and earthiness also uh, that we cannot do uh, otherwise, or, or maybe with a lot of research or whatever. Uh, so there is a certain complexity. There is a, there are facets, even just pure straight facets that you don't get with synthetics. Um, and then there is the poesy, the poetry. So I have to say, yes, often I put the natural because I know it's going to help some um, farmers somewhere and some factories somewhere. Because if you visit a natural factory, the smells in there, oh, it's incredible. Oh, it must be it's so great. <laughs> when you put your head in a vat of narcissus or a vat of violet leaves or a vat of, of anything, oh. hay or... It's crazy. And so you're like, oh, I want to help the people that are making this. And then also the farmers. And so, yes, I do create. It's not just for the creation or not just for the smell. When you create, but it's the same everywhere. You have people in the kitchen, is the same. Uh, ask a chef if they put that just for the taste also because they want to help the farmers or because it's kind of the inspiration too, uh, is helping the farmers. It's it, the ingredient comes with the whole story with it, but the story uh, influences your your psyche and the way and the way you perceive. Then the final product. If I don't tell you it's from uh, Madagascar, and then I tell you, ah, but in there I have a lot of stuff from Madagascar. Like, oh, then you see it a different way. It's normal. It's an art. Uh, you know, perfumery is useless, and it's an art. So it's like music. It's useless. I love to say that. And we are materialistic. Music is electronic and uh, and uh, can be digital and visual can also be digital. And perfumery, uh, I love to say we are materialistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, but uh, yeah, so it's fantastic. But the perception um, is very important. So I use it for that as well. Well, uh, it's just, and I have to say, so me, I would not like to be, um, only using naturals. It's a okay. very different um, style. Okay. It's like in architecture. If you say, I only want to build houses with wood and stones. Yes. I only yes. use wood and stones. And uh, not even bricks, huh? not even bricks. So wood and stones. And uh, voila, you, you are stuck with certain styles, but that can be your love and you can do only yeah. that. Yeah. Or, uh, I'm in Japan here. They do uh, rice straw and wood. Voilà. Rice straw, wood. They do a whole house without one nail and then uh, and, and, and ropes. Okay. So then you have a certain style. But if you like to do a lot of different styles, a lot of different projects, a lot of different things, then you're limited. Uh, uh, you, you, you're limited. And you're even more limited than architecture because with wood and stone, you can build a structure. Yeah, And with a lot, that's a problem. With a lot of natural ingredients, you cannot build a structure because they evaporate in five seconds or in, uh, in less than an hour. So you are also limited physically with- Yeah, we didn't uh, talk about that. The, the longevity that a lot of people look for, uh, right? 
in a fragrance. So there's longevity. There is uh, blooming in the water for the shampoo, longevity yeah. in skin, longevity in the laundry detergent. Then yeah. do you want to buy your Tide or your uh, Ariel for uh, $20 the box instead of $4.99 the box? Uh, you have <laughs> to think about that. For some people, it's just not realistic. And sometimes it's not the story. You just want to make your laundry that it smells nice. And, you know, it's just, well, uh, these are considerations like that. Uh, and these are huge volumes. And I want people to know that if you decide to put some sometimes and you decide to put 1% of a natural ingredients or even a synthetic in Ariel or in Tide, you, have, you are doubling the world production of that ingredient overnight. Wow. The volumes are so huge and the volume in perfumery are so small and fine fragrance, the volumes are tiny compared to uh, laundry volumes. Uh, or fabric softeners, shampoos. These are huge volumes. And uh, so that's also a thing to think. People, <laughs> when you're in laundry, people are like, why did you put yourself again in there? Because they know they freak out all yeah. of a sudden and no one knows, no one can predict. If you, if tomorrow you put, I don't know, 1% cardamom, uh, I didn't know I would use that the day before. So you cannot wait the next harvest. So this is a... Big management problem, whether it's synthetic or natural, by the way, huh? but natural even more because you have to wait for the harvest. That's right. So uh, you cannot just make more in the lab uh, within a month. Uh, you have to wait for the next year. Or you have to plant more. So some, there are projects like that where you say, okay, no, this year we can put that only in one shampoo at a time. And then, okay, this year we can open that to fabric softeners. Then this okay. year or five years later, we can open that now to laundry. Uh, so that for naturals is also, a, it is a consideration for this kind of category. M much less for a fine fragrance, because even if you win an Armani, it's still manageable. Um, yes, overnight you might need, and you have to put a lot and they don't give you a lot of budget anyway. So <laughs> but that's a different story. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, I want to open the formula for people to see the reality and uh, not to calculate by the by the scent, the price of perfumes, but to see the big difference, as explained in Name Magazine and in my articles, the big difference between the marketing talk, what will make the public believe, believe, versus what is actually in the formula. People would have a fit. And I say this loud and clear. And if people don't believe it, you ask every brand, all these big brands here, you ask them to show their formulas. Yeah. And don't worry, they won't be more copied because we know already what's in there because the perfumers between themselves, they circulate formulas or they circulate uh, the analysis of the formula. So these are fake secrets. So disclosing the formulas to the public would not make, probably, I should be careful, probably would not increase the, the, the amount of copies anyway. On the contrary, it would, be, it would be harder to make a copy because even the public would say, hey, that you see here, they look the same. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, no. And then the journalist would see Voilà. Yeah, so yeah. people have to ask for the facts, okay? So when they don't know, they ask for the facts. And then from the facts, they can decide. One thing I want to mention also in natural versus synthetics with this clean and sustainability movement. Yes. It's like during COVID. Have you noticed how people all of a sudden, they or like in climate change, all of a sudden people, certain group, certain group of people don't listen to thousands of scientists, but they listen to three freaks <laughs> about the inefficiency of vaccines or the danger of OGT, uh, the danger of vaccines, or they listen to the ones that say, no, the climate change is not that. Uh, voilà. 
So all of a sudden, we ignore the vast majority of people for uh, just two or three people that are actually not scientists or that are uh, rejected by their own university. And it's the same in perfumery. I want to, you to notice and the public to notice. Each time people talk about clean, about synthetic or natural, the people are like marketing managers. They don't have a PhD in science because they would not dare think such thing. So mm -hmm. I tell people, when you hear the word clean, usually it's dirty and it's very dirty, sometimes even dangerous. Sometimes you are damaging things. When you hear the term sustainability, if it's not in the mouth of a scientist that is from a reputable uh, university, it can be a big or small, but just reputable university, uh, uh, anywhere in the world, but usually the scientists, they agree on that and on the definition of sustainability, um, then I don't know why they believe this. It's actually really, really, half of it is wrong. Half of it is plain wrong. And this is unbelievable how in perfumery, people don't, when it gets into technicalities like that, they don't ask the scientists and they don't ask the perfumers. Yeah. Independent yeah. perfumers, because perfumers, when they create for L'Oreal, of course, they are not independent. Uh, yeah, of course. So it's like you would ask uh, a scientist advisor about the vaccine, uh, well, you should ask, huh? still ask, but you know it's going to be filtered. Yes. And I like Pfizer. I have nothing against Pfizer. But ask a few other scientists. If they say the same thing, then you're like, okay, I, I probably have some good information there. So it's the same. Ask several perfumers from different backgrounds, and then you will see. But actually ask the perfumers, including independent perfumers. And then go to the chemists and go to the scientists, ask them. And then you will see. And then you can make your decision. Not the marketing manager from... Uh, from uh, Lancôme, I would not dare talking about fashion because I have not studied fashion. So how do they dare talking about science and sustainability and such important problems that have political and environmental and human consequences? Well, tell tell me more about the sustain sustainability aspect because I know you have even more to say there. So. We there was a recently an article in the, in the Guardian, for instance where at the end they mentioned that a lot of natural, a lot of synthetics are actually more sustainable than naturals. Okay. So number one, they don't define sustainability. You know that sustainability is a, uh, has a lot of things attached to it. It's not just the carbon footprint. Right. And then the carbon footprint is actually ridiculous because when the carbon footprint is high in itself, but tiny, tiny, tiny versus uh, a pair of genes. So let me say something. Do you know that the carbon footprint to make a pair of jeans is almost as high or yeah, is equivalent, is similar to the carbon footprint to make a whole iPhone? Do you understand that? No. One pair of jeans for a whole iPhone. Yeah. So the people in fashion, number one, when they talk sustainability, I tell them to go back home. Eh? I don't want to, they have really huge problems. Just read CNN, read Women's Wear Daily. It's not just me talking. We know that the fashion industry has huge problems of sustainability. They're going to talk about the one or two little initiatives they do on the corner. They're going to talk about the perfume they make, Armani, blah, blah, blah. Bon. but then they don't talk about the way that jeans are made, cotton is made, and the dyeing process, the slavery in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about sustainability. When you go to Turkey, when you go to grass, when you go to Madagascar, you can go to the fields. There's no police. 
the fields are open. There's no, there's no fence. So you can go, you can see who works in the fields. You can see they are there. You can see how it's harvested. You probably cannot cannot have a peep into the factory, but it's just a few uh, engineers in there, usually local engineers. And um, uh, there's not much to hide. And actually the fashion people, they love to go to Turkey and audit. But they don't ask the perfumer to go and audit the textile right. sweatshops in Bangladesh and in Vietnam and in Turkey. I would love to go and check mm -hmm. their sweatshop because they know it's a big problem. Fashion is a big problem. And when they walk with shoes with this much plastic underneath in, in the sole, yeah. and, then they, and then they are talking about vanilla being, is less sustainable in, in Madagascar than, than making vanillin in the lab. I'm like, this is gross. This is really gross. So sustainability, there is a carbon footprint, which when you're very, very, very low, it doesn't matter. It's like, uh, um, uh, it's negligible. It's negligible. So especially for the quantities we use in perfumery. So, and then there is the human factor. You're going to tell the, the, the farmers everywhere, they want to grow more stuff. So it's not that the farmers are congested. <laughs> they would love to grow more tuberos. I know they approach me. So I know very well, and even big corporations, I mean, big uh, cooperatives, they want to grow more. And now you're saying, oh no, but it's, it's more sustainable to do tuberos in the lab. So uh, no, 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 no. That is, uh, uh, that's, that they just, uh, cherry pick the one sustainability criteria among 20 and then one that is actually negligible or not relevant for the whole picture. Because why? Because then it justifies why they have a very cheap tuberose ingredient uh, in their fragrances. Uh, instead, they still keep the luxury price of the fragrance. Let's not forget, instead of putting tuberose uh, absolute, that is about 10 or $15,000 a kilo. Huh? And justified, and it's not because uh, uh, it goes in the pocket of this or that. It's like people can do the calculation. It's actually all explained, also in the magazine, where the price of things come, and uh, it's very well uh, documented. And uh, it's not where the problem is in perfumery. It is very expensive to grow, to pick, to extract, uh, etc. The other thing I want to mention: the natural ingredients. Perfume natural ingredients. They grow, they are most of the time local. Uh, so yes, uh, vanilla is from Mexico and got introduced into Madagascar, but we are not going to say or into Uganda or into, uh, but we are not going to say it is a pest or a parasite of Madagascar. And we are not going to say that vanilla is invading Madagascar, like palm trees are invading certain regions or soy is invading, is taking over forests or corn or whatever. So it's not nothing like that. So yes, a few things have been transplanted like that, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's still, I would say it's like a local thing now, vanilla in Madagascar. So basically perfume plants, first of all are beautiful plants. Second, they grow in difficult regions. And third, they are very local. So we are not destroying the forest for now to plant uh, vanilla <laughs> or to plant uh, God knows what. Uh, <clears throat> and on the contrary, they, because they are local, they protect more uh, fauna also, animals that live over that, other plants, etc. Uh, 
So in fact, you protect the environment when you grow uh, more perfumery plants. People should, it has nothing to do, nothing to do because the volumes are so small and because the plants are so specific. I'll give an example. Someone tried to introduce patchouli in Africa. For two reasons, because the patchouli market in Indonesia, because of military push and other political situations and other competitive crops, people are planting corn and palm tree instead of patchouli. Uh, let's say the big farmers, because then they put a lot of palm trees and it's easy to to, to harvest and then they just use kind of half slaves in those, in those fields, sugarcane and da, da, da. And so we have to fight against that to plant patchouli. So, and also to help Africa. So they try and they try seriously taking the, the best, uh, some of the best engineers from grass. Uh, one thing in grass is that they still have, I would say the best, really one of the best methods of extraction, the knowledge to extract plants and they export that everywhere in the world is really, this is really amazing how they do it. They even improve the way, for instance, the, the, the rose is harvested in Turkey and doing, they, they do really a lot of experiments. So, they try in Africa and it didn't work out because of the climate, because of the water uh, issues, too much or too little. And then you have to teach a population and teaching a population to harvest is like a wine. Do you understand how difficult it is to take a, a vine, a vine plant? You know how difficult it is to put it in just the next village or the next country, literally next door. Eh? Mm. Uh, and then do the same wine. People understand that it's very difficult. You're from California, you know that. And you, <laughs> it's just wine, it's just grapes, you ferment, you have the method, you ferment for so many days. Blah, blah. They just do that. And you know, you are going to miss it. And your wine is going to be vinegar and you won't have the same yeast. And blah, blah. Patchouli, by the way, does need a fermentation too, eh? to get into this patchouli smell. So they tried, it didn't work. It didn't work. So it's a really specific thing. And so I want people to think when they say sustainability that we are actually helping those populations. We're helping the locals. We're helping the local habitats. We're helping uh, um, uh, like water retention with more roots when it's vetiver, for instance, instead of other plants that just let the, the, the soil go. The, the roots of vetiver are extremely uh, uh, they, they keep the soil together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I have to say, it is true that uh, from grass and other companies in the US and stuff, we export a lot of technologies. We built water pumps because you need water to distill. And uh, so it's true And in Africa for some villages, they had to build the water pumps and they were offered to the village to uh, so that they can grow more vanilla or more this or more that. Um, so, no, there are beautiful stories and they are not rare and it's not just for the folklore and then the rest is bad. No, you can go, you can check. Uh, there is not one one little uh, demo field of vanilla or rose in Turkey and the rest is like terrible. No, because that's also the thing. If you are terrible with your flowers and with your farmers, it's like wine, you harvest crap. Yeah. So you cannot be terrible. People should think about that. It's not like corn or sugarcane or soy or or milking cows, where it's just like it's like an industry intensive. We need it's like growing tomatoes in your garden. You can grow tomato uh, in a greenhouse and intensive and, and and cutting corners, but there's no taste. Right. So it's the same. You cannot cut corners, and so it's really it's fascinating. The public should know that. 
they should separate us from fashion. The brand, the fashion brand should leave us alone and uh, and they should give us more budget to put the things in there, uh, what they, they want the public believe is in there to actually put it in there. And uh, voila. One last thing. I wanted to just touch on because this comes up as well. I see it on the internet a lot. And I just want to get your thoughts. I read something on the internet actually just the other day. Can I read it to you? It said many yes. synthetic chemicals and fragrances are petroleum based and can be harmful to human health. You've already touched on that. Chemicals found in fragrances include um, phthalates, which are endocrine disruptors and carcinogens, benzophenone and styrene. There's Yes, yeah, so styrene is actually found in naturals, in styrax, for instance, and styrene is extremely limited in perfumery. So this is one of those things that Ifra has cleaned up from the perfumery palette a long time ago. Me, I'm like the post-styrene generation. Uh, so it's really not an issue in perfumery. And if there's a bit of styrene left, it's most likely from uh, natural resin, and it's not going to kill you. Second though, um, the phthalates. Uh, so the phthalates, diethyl phthalates is a solvent used in perfumery. Uh, but I've never used it because same, I'm the post-phthalate thing. It is not dangerous at all. We just removed it because we use other solvents. So voila, we say, you know what, if they have a fit with this for no scientific reasons as well. Uh, what they've done here with phthalates, they do the same with parabens. Uh, they agglomerate the good phthalates with the bad phthalates. There are some bad phthalates we've never used in perfumery. There are some bad parabens that have that been forbidden in the, in the world. For the longest time, just like there are some mushrooms that you die if you eat them and they are forbidden. So uh, it's exactly the same. Uh, it's called also phthalates, like it's called a mushroom and you have the good ones, the bad ones. So these are fake problems. The people talking about that are never scientists. Huh? You, you have to see. Uh, Benzophenone yeah, is a material that we use to make uh, roses. It's a powdering gradient. I've never found it very strong. I'm not a fan of benzophenone. I don't really need it. And uh, no one has ever died of benzophenone. Uh, so just like no one has ever died of uh, lavender and the other things. <laughs> uh, no, of Lilial, by the way, the decision was not a scientific decision uh, for Lilial. Um, so uh, these are people that, well, they do fear mongering. They use yeah. the fact that the public does not know chemistry at all. Right. And in fact, it's ridiculous what they do. You can just laugh at them. And we should just make comparisons to show them how ridiculous they are and how that shows how stupid they are. Uh, it's not even here we're talking about, you know, alcohol, where we say, yes, alcohol can kill people. Yes, alcohol, you have to watch. No, we're not talking this kind of ingredient. We're talking alcohol to drink, huh? not the alcohol in perfumery, uh, alcohol to drink. But no, here we're talking about ingredients that have been tested a lot yeah. that are very, very convenient. The parabens, uh, I love the parabens, and the cosmetic industry loves them. They are very good preservative. Most likely, they preserve you as well, by the way, like vitamin E and things like that. Well, most likely, I'm not, uh, I don't know. But they are very good against um, bacteria and growth in your shampoo and things. So, uh, say, they're tested. And uh, this shows just... The, the, the stupidity or the, the ignorance of people and the words that people are using that well, like it's always happened in marketing people are using there used to be snake oil same you use the stupidity or the ignorance of the public and uh voilà so 
I mean, there is it's, Ifra. It's kind of weird that people yeah. still write that in, in perfumery, like brands write this. It's yeah. really, it should be second class. And people, when they hear that, they should say, okay, that's a brand I'm not going to use because you cannot trust a brand saying this because yeah. it makes it scientific. Yeah, yeah. And some things, maybe benzophenone, maybe they did feed rats with benzophenone and then the rat had, uh, I don't know, had, uh, had a, a mutation or thing. That can be totally possible. But it's in rats. It's in dosages you would never give yourself. And I'll remind people here that Bruce Lee died of an excess of water. Okay? So uh, uh, if you take twice you want twice or three times the amount of water that they advise you to take like instead of two liters you take six or five i think it was like about five a day uh, Bruce Lee did he died of it if you take twice the amount of uh, phthalates uh, or twice the amount of lavender that we use in perfumery you're still way you're probably 200 times or 2000 times below any first little effects we can see in rats you should know that too eh? it's like it's crazy so this is just people want to be interesting they just think they're going to be important. Uh, yeah. uh, it's terrible, but it's 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 sad that it's still like that. Uh, I've always heard that in perfumery and it has not changed because the perfume industry is not educating, period. Yeah. The perfume industry at the hand of fashion and singers and, and football players, <laughs> they don't educate about perfumery. They take the royalties and they educate about music. They educate about uh, breast cancer. They educate about autism with the money from the perfume industry. They educate about fashion in weird ways because fashion has big corpses in its closet. They yeah. educate about uh, uh, well, other things. And the French industry is scared and the French industry is at those shackles and we don't educate. Well, yeah. So that's where we are. So, But thanks, so to, the, thanks to the podcast, from Frauke, hopefully, we are going to educate more and bring the debate to another place and also and to shut up the, the mouth of the people that are not experts. Yeah. Who, who listens to a non-fashion expert? People would say, who are you? And then people would notice right away that is that is laughable. So that should become the same in perfumery. Yeah, voilà. I agree. Well, thank you for talking to me today bon, about naturals and synthetics. Mm -hmm, could mm -hmm. probably go on and on, but I think we'll leave it here. Yeah. <laughs> voilà, voilà, voilà. Uh, but thank you for organizing all this. I think it's very important. And uh, so maybe we meet to, for the next one. So I say goodbye to you. Goodbye to uh, everybody, to all our listeners. And uh, you can also listen to the other two podcasts we did before with Frauke. Yeah. They're also very informative and uh, very uh, unusual. So uh, to discover the truth about our uh, uh, loving uh, perfume uh, art and industry. Thank you, Christoph. Thank you, Frauke. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast. And invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, 
Remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.